Today's first scripture reading is John 14, verses 13 to 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may not be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The second reading is James 4, verses 2 to 3. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You, do, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This is the word of the Lord. Well, before we jump into this, let me make two comments. One, Angus, I was not really upset with you, but it might have come across that way, and I, I apologize for that. Um, you can talk as long as you want. There's no need to rush. <laughs> Number two, I need to apologize to all of you because I said something that is inaccurate. As I was sitting there, I said, let's get on to worship, as if we aren't those who worship with all of our lives. Every bit of our being is worship. So will you please forgive me for taking this grand thing of having a devoted life to God who pursues us and shrinking it down to one hour that happens on Sunday morning. It is not that. It is something far beyond that. So there you go. I got that out of the way. We are continuing on in our series. And I don't know if you realize this, but it is that time of the year again. It is that time of the year again. And if you don't believe me, you can look at Austin Socks a little bit later on. It is that time for us to begin making our list of what we want for Christmas. We are now beginning that process of making that list of the things that we desire others to get for us. Have you ever done that before in your life? It's okay. When I was growing up, we used to get these toy magazines that would come in from different department stores. And one of my favorite things to do was to take it and to circle the things that I wanted to receive for Christmas. And I would circle them, and sometimes I would put a star, meaning this is extra special needed, that I need this thing. And then I would give it to my parents so that they could look at it and deliver it to whoever else needed to know what I might need for Christmas. My deepest desires were found in that little toy book, hoping and praying for them to happen. And then Christmas morning would come, and I would find that magazine and look at the number of presents and look at the number of things that I'd circle and realize that there were some things that were missing. Then, after opening them, I would realize there were more things that were missing. And there were things present that I certainly didn't ask for at any time. And then the next year, I would do the same thing. And the next year, I would do the same thing. Until finally, it got to the point where I thought to myself, there's really no point in me circling anything in this book, partly because I'm 21. And the other reason, 
is because I don't seem to get these things. So what's the point? What does it really matter? Over the last three weeks, we've been talking about prayer. And this section, this part of this devoted life, this place where we don't just want to do the things that make us the things that we think we're supposed to be doing so that we can appear good, so that we can appear right. But the devoted life that says, I want to love God who has loved me so self-sacrificingly. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to love all others around me. That devoted life springs from a life of prayer. That's the reason why we spent three Sundays on it. But we have to be (laughs) truthful and say there are times that we have prayed that it seems as if they haven't been answered. Let me push that a little bit further. There are times that we have prayed where they have not been answered. They've not been answered in the ways that we've wanted. They've not been answered in the ways we've desired. They've not been answered. And in that, it definitely is that they have not been answered. Because when we requested those things, when we shouted out to God in those prayers, we were wanting something very specific. And that thing didn't happen the way we desired it to happen. And so from our perspective, from our hearts and the way that we look at it, the way that we understand it, we can definitely see that as an unanswered prayer. And not some good one like that old country song, Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers, because that's how I ended up with you. It is a great song, Austin. But it's that idea that we've prayed and we've longed for these things and it has not taken place. I want to tell you, first of all, that you're not in bad company. Philip Yancey, in his book, The Praying Life, Living the Mystery, says this. I take odd comfort in the fact that the Bible itself includes numerous prayers that went unanswered. Although we can only speculate why God does not answer any given prayer, these biblical examples lay down useful clues. He says that after leading the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years, Moses pleaded with God to allow him to accompany them in and across the Jordan River before he died. But God didn't let that happen. He says King David spent a week prostrate, not eating, praying for his infant son not to die. As a consequence of his grievous sin, that prayer went unanswered, and that son passed away. Four characters in the Old Testament, Moses, Job, Jonah, and Elijah, all prayed to die. Thank goodness God didn't answer that prayer. Several times the armies of Israel prayed for victory over their enemies and they suffered humiliating defeats. Habakkuk prayed for deliverance from the Babylonians. Jeremiah prayed that Jerusalem would not be destroyed and both prophets' prayers were unanswered. He goes on to say, I'll mention some of the 12 disciples' inappropriate prayers, such as calling for fire from heaven against a town, unanswered. 
Or one instance where disciples proved unable to perform miracles of healing and seemed puzzled by their failure until Jesus said to them, their prayers were unanswered because of their lack of faith. The Apostle Paul himself had unanswered prayers. We read that he prayed for the churches to be full of grace and mercy, yet the reason why we have the New Testament is because they weren't. (laughs) He prayed for a thorn to be relieved from the flesh in his side, but it did not happen. And yet in that point, Paul points to us where we are supposed to go when we struggle with unanswered prayers. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. These two verses that we looked at today are sort of counterproductive in some sense. In James, we hear this admonition saying, you don't have what you don't want because you do not pray correctly. Oh man, how are you with that? Does your heart all of a sudden go, yes, okay, cool. Tell me how to pray correctly then. What are the words, what's the formula, what's the A plus B equals C that I need to make sure that my desires and my wishes get fulfilled? How many times do I need to rub that genie lamp? And at the same time, we see Jesus and John saying this, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. How are you with that? Are you like me and your heart quickly tries to minimize what Jesus is saying there? (laughs) He can't possibly mean anything. That's not what he's talking about. There, There must be some, maybe he's just talking to the disciples. That makes more sense. But then why would we have it in the Word so that we could all read it and look at it? If we are to be devoted, those who move beyond just ticking the box, that begin to move beyond that idea that praying is some transactional relationship, I ask and you give. Into a place where it deepens our devotion and our heart, our deep love for God, then we must begin to wrestle with what it means for us to be able to ask anything we desire and yet know that there are times that desire will become unfulfilled. I think that we begin to understand a little bit what happens because in both places we're told that there is something that is needed. In that John chapter, we see that it is asking Jesus' name, not as some formula, not that we add that on to the end. Lord, I'd like this, 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 and this. Look, hey, the lottery on Thursday is $100 million. In Jesus' name, right? <laughs> Done. Tick the box. <laughs> Or 20. Uh, That's not what he's saying there. 
There's a place where our hearts need to move in a direction that says, how am I aligned with the kingdom of God? How am I walking in the way of Christ? For those of us who have been grabbed by God and brought into his family, for those of us who have been brought in from death into life, we no longer walk in our own strength. We no longer walk in our own patterns. We buck against the flesh. We stand in the place of Holy Spirit moving in a direction that allows us to walk in the name of Christ. And so our whole being moves into that place so that when we request something, those things that are not of Christ get moved away. And those things that are stay present. We see that reflected in this chapter in James. He says, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Hey, the lottery on Thursday is $100 million. I could do a lot of good with that for myself. You see, our hearts are these idol-making factories, as Calvin says, that are always looking for ways for us to get fulfillment. And when we begin to step into the devoted life, that life that says, I want to love God with all that I am and love others, then we begin to recognize that I will continually bring forth my own desires and they need to be smashed upon the compassion of Jesus. That says there's something more for you in this life. I have something greater for you. And so if we're to walk in this way of prayer, this prayer that says, I am okay to ask Jesus for anything because I know that if it's incorrect, he will change my heart. But if it is correct, he will bring it about. And I will walk knowing that I don't want it for myself but I want it within God's control. The reason why we had verse two there is because it gives us sort of that example of what our passions are. Because we hear that and we go, oh, our passions, then that must be, you know, fulfilling stuff for us. But I want to read that. It says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain it, so you fight and quarrel. The idea here is that you do not have a large enough trust in the truth that God will take care of you. So you move to accomplish it yourself. I desire something and I don't have it, but in order to get it, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to kill somebody to get it. <laughs> it's taking God's timing and his movement out of his hands. And one of my prayers is constantly, why do you do that, God? <laughs> well, because God is a loving and merciful God. One that knows that we're on a journey and a path with him. And not in some airy-fairy sort of way. But that he wants us to know what our lives have meant to be about for all times and places from the very foundations of the world. And that only he can be the one that takes us to that place. 
walking us all through the ins and outs, the narrow path and the wide path, bringing us in, constantly pursuing us in his steadfast love so that we will know and learn who he is and in doing that, know who we are. And so we have to move into the place where we go, I'm going to pray what I want believing that God will answer the way it needs to be answered. It is trite to hear this, but it is true. God always answers our prayers. Yes, no, maybe, not now. And in some ways, for those of us who have walked this path and have been in places that we've prayed, it almost seems like gaslighting. (laughs) Come on, God. What do you mean I've not done the right prayer? I'm not walking in the right way. It's all my fault that you're not doing this. And it becomes hard for us to continue to go to the Father, praying those things that we desire for him to do so much, not because they're selfish. It's not like I want a new land cruiser. But I want marriages to be restored. I want people to be healed. I want famines to stop. I want wars to cease. How can that not possibly be something you want to answer? And God says to us, I want those exact same things, but I'm not going to force it to happen because I never wanted robots. I never wanted automatrons. I never wanted people who did not seek me with their hearts out of love and not fear. I want those who love me. And so I've come to walk with you in Christ Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed this prayer. Father, if there is any way for you to remove this cup, if there's any way for me not to go to the cross, if there's any way for this to go a different direction, make it so. But not my will. Your will be done. There's places in our hearts where we do have to let Holy Spirit well up, move within us, change us so that we can say, not your will, but my will. But when we're in those places that we've been praying for good things, those things are outside of our pleasure and they don't happen the way that we see, the first thing that we need to do is go, okay, was what I desiring, was the thing that I was longing for and praying for, Was that thing going to bring glory and honor to God and restore his love and grace? Because sometimes those things that we're praying for that aren't happening, even though they have the veneer of goodness, actually are about our own hearts and what we desire. But not always. So, (laughs) when it isn't that, see, because when it is, we need to confess and repent. But when it's not, God in his graciousness has given us a language for that as well. 
when things are not going, these good and right and precious and holy things that we're praying for don't seem to be coming true because the earth is broken, the world is darkness. Then our response that God has given us is prayer. The prayer of laments that says, how long, O oh God, will this continue to happen? The prayer of lament that says, I don't like what is taking place. The prayer of lament that says, I don't think you know what's going on down here. But I will try to trust you. The second thing that I think we need to do in that place where we recognize that there are things that we're praying for that aren't taking place, that we're wondering what's happening, is we might need to change the direction of our prayer. Daniel experiences this very thing in Daniel. It's a weird chapter. It's a weird place, but I, I just want to read you what happens to Daniel. Daniel has this terrifying vision of a man, and he's praying about it, trying to figure out. He's in captivity. He's been taken away from his homeland, and he prays. And in the middle of his prayer, he is, goes into this deep sleep so that he can see a vision. And then in Daniel chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Daniel was crying out in prayer, and he says, your words were heard the first day. And this man, this angel says to him, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And he came to make you, and I have come to make you understand what is happening to you and to your people in these later days. See, there's something going on here in the heavenlies that we can't quite get. And our rational minds don't quite want to even step into it because we would prefer to have A plus B plus C instead of A with some squiggly figure coming in and changing it. I'm sure that's like advanced math somewhere. Right? See, Daniel's praying the very first day, but he's been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing's happening. And he's not getting the answer until he finally gets the answer. And he says, look, I was sent the very first time you opened your mouth. Yet I, has, I have been stopped <laughs> Something has blocked me from getting to you. Sometimes when we're praying and we're not seeing results, not only do we need to check that our results are right, we also need to be aware that we should also change the way we're praying and pray against the things that are keeping the answer from coming. Too often our prayers revolve around, I want, I want, I want. And not keep the thing at bay that's trying to get me. Hold back the enemy at the gate. Stop the lion who seeks to destroy me. 
We have to pray against things in Jesus' name. Seeing his grace and mercy released. The other thing that Daniel teaches us there is sometimes we have to be patient. And if you're like me, patience is not something that you're good at. Today, I'm having some folks over for lunch at our house, and um, it's been a busy week, and I was trying to think what we were going to do. And so it wasn't actually until this morning that I realized, okay, I just I need to go to the store, and I need to look, and I need to get some stuff. And so I came and got some things set up here, and then I went to the IGA in FOMO. By the way, very nice, very expensive. Don't go there, but it's very nice. Actually, it's not that bad. I went there. Now, the great thing about it is this. You can park inside. You don't have to pay for parking. You can park inside. And if you spend over $40 and you're less than 45 minutes, then your parking's for free. You save five bucks. Right? Pretty, pretty good. Right? And so I thought, all right, I'm going to go in. I'm going to park. I'm going to go get the stuff because I know I'm going to spend over $40 because I like these people and I want the lunch to be good. I grabbed the stuff. I come out, I'm way under 45 minutes. You have to get your receipt because if you forget your receipt, you're going to have to go back in and get it because it has a little code that you need in order to get that free exit. So you have your ticket and you have your code. I've got all the things I need, right? I go up to the little machine that you put the ticket in. It tells you that you owe $5. I put up my receipt there. It scans the code. It tells me, oh, rebate, $5, no problem, free, shoots out my ticket. I'm like, awesome. I've got things to do, places to go, people to see. I'm glad this thing worked right. I get in the car and I drive up to the gate. You know, the thing that opens up and down that drives you crazy sometimes? And I put the ticket that I just put the ticket in earlier. I just, just literally put the ticket in earlier and I put it in. And it goes, and it spits it out, and it says, unable to read. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Not the case. By the way, it's always good when the Lord gives you a sermon illustration in the day of. Put it back in. Nothing. Can't read. I flip it over, thinking, oh, maybe I'm putting it in wrong. I'm not putting it in wrong. I know I'm not putting it in wrong. I'm looking at the magnetic things. I know it's, so I, but I, and it like immediately rejects it. It's like, what are you doing, you crazy man? I flip it back over. I put it in. And so finally, it's like I have to push the button, right? I have to, to call. <laughs> so I push the button and I call. And it rings. And it rings. And it rings. And it rings. And I'm like, oh, no. What is going to, like, do I go outside, get another ticket, go and, what, you know, I'm thinking of all the ways that I need to, and I, but there's a phone number there, and I'm like, I guess I can call the phone number, and finally somebody says, hello, and I'm like, hello? <laughs> I'm at the gate, and I did this and this, and I over-explained it very clearly, didn't need to say that much, and they were like, okay, and they opened up the gate and said, is the gate open now? And really, I kind of, yeah, you know, because <laughs> I was. The way that we do it, even if we think we've done it all right, sometimes the answer doesn't come as quickly as we want. It requires patience to trust and know that God is moving and is in control. And so, if we move in this way of prayer... We need to know, we need to rest, we need to recognize that when our prayers go unanswered, we first check our motivations. If our motivations are good and they still seem unanswered, we move to grief. That's the appropriate response. 
As we walk through grief, God and, his, our, and our ability to lament will bring us to trust in him again. It's his promise to us in lament. Then we also have to have patience. And we also need to pray against things that could be keeping things from happening. But more than this, we need to rest on Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, Paul is reminding us who we are. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus are sons and daughters of the one who pursues us in steadfast love, the one who self-sacrificed himself. And then in verse 28, it says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Our prayer lives move to a life of devotedness when we know that every word we speak, every thought that we have, every moment that we breathe, that the Holy Spirit is praying the things that we need on our behalf. Seeking God, saying forth, this is what this person needs. Causing our own hearts then to hear the Spirit testifying to us. You are sons and daughters of the Most High King who loves you. And can't wait to hear from you, even if you say it wrong. And in those moments then, (laughs) the glorious thing about prayer is it aligns us with God's heart in order for us to take our eyes off ourselves and look out to those around. Because believe it or not, prayers and thoughts can be effective when they cause our hearts to move in the directions of others. That you actually and I actually are the answer to somebody's prayer. And I don't say that to shame you or guilt you into that. I say it so that you will hear these words. Somebody's your answer to prayer as well. We work together as the body in order to take those things that our hearts are crying out for most dearly working together to align them into the place where they bring God glory and they show forth his love. And so let us be devoted and not merely tick the box. Let me pray for us. God, you are good and all you do is good. We hold tight to you, not by our own strength, but by Holy Spirit. Give us mercy and grace in those places where our desires are out of alignment with yours. But not in a way because you don't desire good for us, you do. So let us hear that and see it. Let us grieve when we are to grieve. Let us celebrate when we are to celebrate. And God, in all things, if there is anything that is not from you today, let it burn up. Let it run away from our minds as quickly as possible. But if they are from you God, we ask that they will take deep root in our heart and bear good fruit and glory to you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.